Hey, everybody. I just wanted to tell you real quick. Look, we didn't invest in uh, T-shirts and hats. We could have. Believe me, I've come up with a slogan or two, as you could probably imagine. We have the commemorative uh, Kate Daly Show coin because we want to put money back in your pocket. And we knew that right now, with everything going on, you would want to invest in precious metals. This is a real silver coin. It is a uh, minted after the first coin ever produced in the United States. It has a piece of history that I love. And it has the Kate Daly Show on it, Be Faithful, Be Fearless. comes in a beautiful case. $99, and most of that goes to the show. But it is going to put money back in your pocket. And I do think silver's only going up. I wanted to make sure that you got something out of that, out of helping Truth in Radio. We're up against a lot because shows like this don't go on for a long time because uh, corporations usually edge us out. And I don't want that to happen. Please help this show stay on the air and you can help free speech and know that you did something to help free speech in America survive this. Radio is very important. It's a very important element because you're listening. And when people are listening, as Rush used to point out, when people are listening, they're digesting those words better than watching stuff, something on TV and watching visuals. It's a really important medium. And I want to stay here doing the show with all of my favorite co-hosts. So thank you. Go to Kate Dow radio.com and please pick up a few of those coins i would really appreciate it thank you from the bottom of my heart hi everybody this is kate hey go to preparewithkate.com right now you can get some food storage in your home and you can get such a savings on it you can get a three-month supply with 150 dollars off or you can get a four-day supply uh for 297 dollars there's some great deals right now and the best part is you can actually pay over time but get it in your house right now so i'm i'm really letting you guys know preparewithkate.com it puts you right into patriot supply they're a fantastic company with fantastic products. And I urge you to go ahead and get some food now as prices are going to be doubling and scarcity is going to be happening. So please get some food under your roof. Prepare with Kate.com. Thanks guys. Hi everyone. It's Kate. I just wanted to mention my pillow. Dot com to you. You know, there's a lot of holidays and weddings and all kinds of things that we buy gifts for. And not to mention us, we buy things for ourselves. This is the best company for betting. I mean, from everything from dog beds to pillows to sheets to towels to um, to stopping snoring. I mean, get the green pillow, get the blue pillow label from um, MyPillow.com. What an amazing company this is. And Mike Lindell is doing a heck of a job trying to inform everybody about the election fraud and actually have the proof there and show the, the proof behind election fraud. Also, FrankSpeech.com. It's a censor-free Facebook. Go to MyPillow.com or you can call the number. Number 800-873-1052. And make sure that you are ordering. Put in the code Kate. Get up to 40% off now. Oh my gosh, you guys. The products are that good. I'm telling you. I was shocked by them. I was seriously shocked. Make sure you support the show, Truth and Radio, Mike Lindell, and you're going to get great products. It's a great threefer. <laughs> Not a twofer, a threefer. Go to MyPillow.com and get up to 40% off right now. Do it. Thanks, you guys. Today's show is pre-recorded from 2000s. Um, Martin Heinrich talked to the caucus today. He's a, a border state senator. He said he can say without any equivocation, the border is secure. Question, is the border today secure? 
The issue that we're seeing at the border right now, Ed, and the, the issue well, that we've got to show saying is the border secure. Well, I, I will tell you that there are more resources that are dedicated to this border right now in securing it than there ever have been. And is it secure? Today? And the issue that we're seeing right now uh, is not individuals attempting to evade detection by border patrol officials. What we're seeing right now are people who are coming to the border and turning themselves over to border patrol. Majority of Harry Reid said Republicans keep saying secure the border first, then we'll deal with comprehensive. Senator Reid said he put the majority leader's office right behind it and said the border is secure. Do you agree with him? Uh, the administration, under the president's leadership, has dedicated significant resources to securing the border. Wow. How do you like that for the runaround from Josh Ernest, press secretary? You know, the guy kept asking him a very direct question, is the border secure? Couldn't answer it. And Senator Harry Reid said that a state senator on the border said it was secure. Not a senator, not a congressman, a state senator. Wow, that's important. Hmm. I wonder how he got that guy to say that, because it's obviously not. So I, I, you got you got to look beyond Harry's words and, and and actually analyze who he's talking about. He's talking about a state senator uh, that actually bought into Harry Reid's world, where he was saying, "Harry, oh yes, the border is secure because one state senator, you know." is going along with what he what, what he wants people to say. Interesting. Welcome back to the Kate Daly Show. Glad you're listening in. I've got a great guest, and I'm going to waste no time in getting to him because you really do need to hear from him. He lives on the border. He wrote a book, uh, Ed Ashurst, wrote a book called Alligators in the Moat, and this is uh, actually that phrase is from a, an Obama clip that I played at the beginning of the show talking about uh, how Obama, hey, he was doing everything he could do, and he can't imagine. What do Republicans want? A moat and alligators in that moat? My gosh. Well, nothing is solving this problem. And as even though money is being shoved at it, nothing is happening. And so Ed is here to tell us about it. And also, welcome to you, Ed. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. You Glad bet. Glad to be here. Oh, me too. And also, we wanted to talk about a murder cover-up that has happened in the wake of, of what's been going on. Ed has the vantage point of being a rancher and living on the border and dealing with nightly illegals crossing his land, burglaries at every turn, murder. Uh, you wouldn't believe what is going on in the border and, and what our current administration is covering up. It's been amazing. Not that other administrations haven't covered it up as well. But this administration seems to be covering it up quite well. Tell us about what happened, Ed, uh, as far as this murder investigation and what happened to this Border Patrol agent. Uh, the guy we're talking about, the agent that lost his life, was uh, actually a Mormon boy from northern Utah originally. Mm-hmm named Nicholas Ivey. He has a brother that is still a Border Patrol agent. And uh, on December, uh, October the 2nd, 2012, Nicholas Ivey and two other Border Patrol agents responded to an electronic sensor hit. An electronic sensor is an electronic device planted out in the middle of nowhere that sends a signal to the Border Patrol station when a man walks by it. And Nicholas Ivey walked in to the area where the sensor was located about midnight. Mm-hmm. Two other agents, a woman and a man, walked in. Uh, Nicholas Ivey walked in from the north. Two other agents walked in from the south. They knew where each other were. They knew that uh, 
they were aware that they were all approaching the same place. It was dark around midnight. They got into the area, gunfire erupted, and Nicholas Ivey was shot one time in the head and lost his life. Another agent, a man, was shot in the ankle and uh, buttocks, they say, and went down. The female agent was not hurt. Within 48 hours of that happening, Janet Napolitano, and who was uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, uh, cabinet post, and David Aguilar, who was the top Border Patrol agent in the nation, were in Sierra Vista, Arizona, visiting Nicholas Ivey's wife and brothers and extended family, and they told them that Nicholas Ivey walked into the area, mistook his fellow co-worker, Border Patrol agents, for Mexican outlaws, and he opened up fire for no reason, and they returned fire, and Nicholas Ivey actually died from friendly fire, and he had no reason to shoot. There was no one there, and it was all a tragic mistake. Hmm. If you Google the Nick Ivey incident, there are several newspaper articles written about it, and in no place will you find the United States government, Janet Napolitano, David Aguilar, or George McCubbin, who at that time was the Border Patrol Union president. They all say that Nicholas Ivey fired mistakenly. He should not have fired. There were no outlaws there. Okay, that happened about 50 miles, 45 miles west of where I lived. I was here when it happened. I knew about it. There was a lot of rumors, etc. When I wrote this book, I had no intention of mentioning it because there were a lot of rumors, but I really didn't know the facts. So I wasn't going to write something I couldn't verify. Right. I had started the book, and a man approached me and said, you're writing this book. I've got something you need to look at. And he handed me... 30-some pages of Cochise County Sheriff's Office incident narratives, which basically is a crime report. There were numerous Sheriff's Department officers deployed to the scene, all of whom did nothing but supply perimeter security except one sergeant who was present from the start at the actual scene where it happened, and he was part of the investigation on site. And four hours after it happened, he also was present with the FBI agent and high-level Border Patrol intel officers, and they interrogated the female agent. That sergeant, Cochise County Sheriff's Office sergeant's incident narratives is so contradictive to the government's response, it blew me away. Wow. At first I thought, well, these are false. So I traveled to the Cochise County Sheriff's Office. I got brand new incident narratives, which are a matter of public record, so they had to give them to me. Those new narratives were the exact same thing that I had been given. In other words, what the fella gave me was the truth. The fact is, there is a, there was a blood trail 
uh, somebody was wounded walking south into Mexico. There were numerous bloody water bottles. There were empty rifle cartridges. There were multiple footprints that were not consistent with Border Patrol agents or county deputies. There were places on the ground, prints, where somebody had laid large objects down like a heavy bundle of marijuana. The girl agent who was interrogated by the FBI testified that when she got into the area, her and the man who was wounded were walking together. They heard voices. They first, Nick Ivey signaled them with a flashlight, and he was in communication with them with a the radio. They knew where each other were. She said all of a sudden there was shouting, screaming, and lots of gunfire from a long gun in a, a rifle. The Border Patrol agents had pistols. They did not have rifles. She hit the ground and saw multiple bodies walking past her going south toward Mexico. Jeez. None of that has ever come out in the news. Here's the deal. Nick Ivey quite possibly was killed by friendly fire. There was lots of gunfire happening. The bad part about this is the government will not say there were armed Mexican outlaws on the scene. They say, the newspapers say, that Nick Ivey conducted himself like an idiot and opened up fire for no reason, and his fellow agents shot back to defend herself, which is a blatant lie. The deal is, it was October the 2nd, 30 days away from Barack Obama's being elected the second time the continuous narrative coming out of the White House is and always has been the border is safer than ever and Obama and his team did not want anybody to know there were armed outlaws alien outlaws north of the border and that's why they will not say that Nick Ivey in fact was in a gun battle with outlaws from a foreign nation. The sad thing is, and this is a quote from the newspaper, Deseret News in Utah, mm -hmm. Nick Ivey's bro one of his brothers say it was a whole lot easier whenever we thought there was an outlaw there. Mm -hmm. In other words, Janet Napolitano, Secretary of Homeland Security, and David Aguilar, told them Nick Ivey shot for no reason. Nick Ivey, the government put Nick Ivey in his grave with the statement that he was an idiot and he shot for no reason, when in fact he was in a gun battle with outlaws from a foreign nation, which you could say are terrorists. And his wife and his children and his brother brothers, mom and dad, and all his friends put him in his grave thinking that he was an idiot when in fact he should be a national hero. Jeez. But the government has so little respect for him and for you and I mm -hmm. that he, they publicly made a disgrace out of him. To me, it's as big a scandal as Benghazi and nobody is paying any attention.
You're right about you that. You can go today to Bisbee, Arizona, and get the incident narratives and read them yourself. They're a matter of public record. It's a. It that was a. Sad, I was just. Sad. Utah. For now, call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. Back to the Kate Daly Show. So glad you're joining us from Chicago, from Utah, Nevada, Arizona, all over the country. We get calls for everywhere from California to New York and Canada as well, and I appreciate you listening in. I've got such a great guest. I want to get back to him, and he was making such a great point at the end of last segment. This is Ed Ashurst. He wrote the book Alligators in the Moat that came out in January to expose what was going on on the border and and what the so contrary to what we're being told by the administration, the border is secure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, lie after lie that the administration hands down. He is a rancher right on the border that can tell you exactly what's going on. And this book pulls no punches. I could not put it down. It's called Alligators in the Moat. You must have this as part of your your library. You must read this book if you want to connect some of the dots in corruption. Ed, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. You betcha. I we were talking at the end, and you were saying that you could not go up those steps um, post nine eleven. Yet, yet if you have what, you are more than welcome. When you were when you were going up the Capitol building, it really struck me as I was at the foot of the Capitol building there in Washington D.C. How they won't let me walk up the steps. They've got it barricaded off for safety concern. And yet the border's wide open. And uh, if you've got enough money, you can be an Iranian terrorist, mm-hmm. whoever, and show up at one of these border towns, say, Agua Prieta, Sonora, mm-hmm. and you've got a sack full of $100 bills. And all you have to do is get connected with a cartel scout uh, Coyote, who will guide you north, and for the right price, you can be in Chicago or Salt Lake City or any city in America within 48 hours, and your safe passage is virtually guaranteed. All it takes is money. It goes back to that old saying, follow Mm -hmm. the money, follow the money. Yeah. There was that. I deal with that. I deal with that in that one chapter of the book, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, lots of instances uh, of drug money infiltrating into the system in a very large way. And uh, this is an outrageous statement, but if you'd read the book, (laughs) I'm sure you'd agree with me, but Mm -hmm. there is a lot of drug money 
making its way into Washington, D.C. today. Now, am I saying Barack Obama or John McCain are getting a direct deposit into their checking account from the Sinaloa cartel? No, absolutely not. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that. But if you do some research, there is billions, billions of dollars in drug money infiltrating in to the American economy. It's unregulated. It's untaxed. Mm -hmm. And as I say in that one book, a quote from, I believe that particular quote was from a monetary expert employed by the United Nations who made the statement that, in fact, in the meltdown, financial meltdown of 2008, it was drug money laundered drug money that actually bailed the American banking system out. The liquid money uh, saved us. Liquid money. From the drug you cartel. Have to, <laughs> yes. You have to... You, you need to read the book. You have to. Yeah, it's a smaller it, example, but you just magnify it many times over mm-hmm. in these border towns in the town of Douglas, Arizona. Mm-hmm. The major tire stores in town do not sell new tires. They sell used tires. The phone numbers on the letterhead, like on a receipt you would get there, are Alba Prieta, Sonora phone numbers. They do not take a check or a credit card. It's strictly a cash-only business. They sell more tires than anybody in town. There's a new restaurant opens in Douglas one time, once a week, mm-hmm. sometime twice a week. They'll stay open six months or whatever. They go out of it. There are multiple upholstery shops where they upholster uh, vehicle pickup and car seats. Uh, lots of storefront businesses. The doors are never open. And yet the proprietors go down to the local bank on a regular basis and make huge cash deposits. <laughs> it's yeah. Money laundering is a huge, huge issue. Well, it might, you know, you were talking about and the direct link, you know, to Obama. He might be driving the car, but it's the gas that fuels the car. And the gas that fuels the car is is oftentimes the drug cartel money. And it's so amazing to me. You were even talking about Wachovia Bank. Wachovia Bank was uh, where they indicted, accused, I can't remember, of, of having this, dr- of, of possessing drug money. They were actually bought out by Wells Fargo. But then Wells Fargo was rewarded by getting some of the stimulus stimulus money, a lot of the stimulus money in, in the wake of the recession. There, there's, no, there, there's no consequence for any of this. This is a reward system to shove it all under the rug that, that we stayed afloat because of liquid capital brought in by the drug cartels. Wachovia and Wells Fargo, consequently Wells Fargo, uh, actually there was a larger case than that involving the largest bank in Europe, which was laundering drug money in the United States. This is well documented. You don't have to take my word for it. -hmm. We're talking hundreds of billions of dollars. The CEOs and all the higher echelon 
employees of those banks got in less trouble than I would if I was to go to town and get in a fight in a bar and shoot somebody but not kill them. Or if, if, I, if I insulted uh, one of Barack Obama's cabinet members, I would be in far more trouble. The Hammonds or Cliven Bundy mm-hmm. are in far more trouble than any one of these men who actually laundered billions and bi- hundreds of billions of dollars of drug money. They got slapped on the wrist, turned loose. There's virtually no consequences. In the song I played, in the bumper song, it was talking about silver. Um, and there's a saying down there. It's the silver or the lead, right? It's the money or the bullet. This is a saying. Oh, Plumo. Absolutely. And there's constant bribing going on, just constant to those that live there. Hey, name your price. Just leave an unlocked uh, padlock or leave us the the, the numbers to the padlock. and, uh, And that's all you have to do. And just name your price. Right? So they can go on the land. They can use your terrain. I have multiple friends who have been offered exorbitant bribes from drug cartels to leave a gate unlocked. Uh... Look the other way. Uh, one guy was offered $6,500 just to unlock one gate for one night. The, and the problem is, if you ever go down that road, you say, well, I'll just do that one time. I need the money. Mm-hmm. I'm in a financial crisis here. Once you do that, they own you. Yeah. If If you stay away from it, you're somewhat safe but if you ever do it once the your life's over we're ta- telling you from then on we're talking with ed and asher they can tell you you know you're going to do this again or mm-hmm. you know take the money right we offer you or take the bullet we're we're, t- we're we're talking with ed asher asher who is who has written the book alligators in the moat exposing all of these problems exposing what's going on on the border he lives it daily he lives burglaries he has had cars stolen guns stolen in fact at one point eight guns were stolen in a loaded ak and the border patrol was so late and even showing up even went to the wrong house and was told they were at the wrong house and obviously didn't care that they were being incompetent maybe they were told to be so but they finally make it over to your house and you're upset i mean you're you're i mean anyone would be upset with this happening after all of this was stolen from them and they said they weren't going to come back because you weren't you weren't nice to you know you weren't as nice to them as they as they thought that they should be rewarded with is is your niceness and I, and I would imagine you said some things, which I would have too. But there again, they even refused to, and they even said, "You were not. Don't even call us. We won't even respond to you." And here they were completely incompetent. <laughs> it was just amazing story in there in your book. I, I couldn't get over the fact that they would basically say to you, "Sorry, you're out of luck. We're not going to help you." As an American citizen, it's like my other story in the book about my cowboy friend Milo DeWitt, very well known very well-respected cowboy in southern Arizona. I've known him for 40 years. He rides up on seven armed Mexican drug cartel operatives. They were a full 20 miles north of the Mexican border. They all had AK-47s and automatic pistols. 
and he saw them. They waved at him. They acted nervous, but he went on about his way. He was a horseback. They were afoot. He goes 45 minutes down the trail, runs on to two Border Patrol agents, tells them, here's where these guys are. If you want, I'll take you back up there. We can get all of them. And they laughed at him and told him, uh, we don't care. <laughs> and where that happened was within sight of where Brian Terry was murdered by a fast and furious gun. True story. Yeah. Yeah. A very true story. And you're living this every single day. Have you ever wanted to move? Have you ever wanted to say, I'm done with the burglaries. I'm done with finding people in my home. They, they, they steal, they plunder, they, like you said, rape and murder. Do you ever feel like you just want to pack it up and go? Sure. But where am I going to go? Uh, I'm an American citizen. Mm -hmm. I have a I make a good living here where I am. I have a right to be here. I pay my taxes. I've never been on welfare. I have no criminal record. And uh, why should I be the one that has to leave? Why don't they leave? Exactly. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. For those... The truth is... Mm -hmm. The truth is, and this is what America needs to know, I don't care where you are. You can be in Salt Lake City. You can be in Des Moines, Iowa. Every major city in the United States is now a border town. The Mexican drug cartels control the drug trade in the United States. And I'm not talking about Laredo, Texas, or San Antonio. I'm talking about Denver, Chicago, Des Moines, Rapid City, whatever. It is controlled by the Mexican outlaws. The Mexican outlaws have a well-established, well-documented relationship with Hezbollah, Hamas, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS. Ed Ashurst is the guest. This is a pre-recording from 2016, and the book's still relevant today. This is The Kate Daly Show. Be right back in just a moment. Alligators in the Moat is the book. Restaurant. Call 888-673-1450. This is The Kate Daly Show. Welcome back to the Kate Daly Show. So glad that you are listening in today. Uh, from wherever you're listening in, all over the globe, we appreciate you. And in 75 countries, welcome. Also, I have such a great guest. Ed Ashurst was joining me for the last hour and a half of the broadcast, and he wrote the book Alligators in the Moat. So uh, you can all... The and I talk about this in the book. The mm -hmm. big connection is the Mexican drug cartels are in total control of federal land on the border right now. The government turns a blind eye. The outlaws control the federal land. They traffic drugs through them on a nightly basis. Everybody that lives down here knows it. And uh, the government won't do anything about it. They have burned up millions of acres of Forest Service and BLM land on the border. And the American taxpayer has spent hundreds of millions of dollars fighting these fires. And what is supposed to be the people's land is being occupied by Mexican drug cartels and Muslim terrorists who are crossing the border into our country. 
And yet the Hammonds in Oregon are in prison right now, uh, charged with an anti-terrorism act for burning 140 acres of tumbleweed. A backfire to save their property. (laughs) Jeez. A backfire to save. Go ahead. Was running cattle on federal land. He got into a disagreement with the government, and he's in prison today. He was contributing to the local and the national economy. Interesting enough, the head of the BLM is also a former Harry Reid staffer. Jeez. Cliven Bundy is not a dangerous man. Thank you for that. And Gosh. A, I think and, a president mm-hmm. a president that had a little bit of integrity could have went down there to the Bundy ranch and say, Hey Cliven, hold on. Everybody shut up for a minute. Cliven and I are going to sit here and drink a beer. We mm-hmm. had the big beer garden with Obama and those people at White Come on, Cliven, we're going to drink a beer here, drink a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. whatever it is you like to drink, and we're going to hash this out, and we're going to come to some kind of an agreement. Well. But instead... They throw the old guy in prison. We have to go. We're up against a break. Ed Ashurst, thank you for your book, Alligators in the Moat. I must have you on again. Thank you for coming on. You have shed such a light in connecting the dots on corruption. Thank you for your book. Appreciate you. Radio.com's expert and attorney that tours the country. Welcome, Chris Ann. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. You bet. We just were talking about uh, immigration. We were just talking about the border issues, and it's so amazing to me the level of corruptness um, that that we get hit with. You are currently in Philadelphia, correct? I am. I am. Uh, I uh, fell a little bit under the weather, and I'm taking a little bit of a break. And uh, in that break, we're taking time to uh, educate ourselves. And so uh, we're going to uh, Independence Hall and Constitution Hall and all of these places, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, to to sort of... uh, see the documents ourselves and, right. and uh, do the things that, that uh, uh, I've always wanted to do. You know, it's one thing to, to teach about them, but it's another thing to actually, you know, physically experience them. And <laughs> are, it has been an experience. Are you, are you educating the government workers that do the tours? <laughs> oh, my goodness, Kate. That was an but amazing experience. Please do. So we're at Independence Hall looking at the Declaration of Independence. Oh, no. And the tour guide starts talking about the, about the uh, Declaration of Independence. And he's, he's, ta- he's saying things that simply are not true. And, and I'm like, oh, my husband's there. I'm like, I'm, my head's going to explode. I'm going to have a stroke. Something's wrong. I've got to get out of here. I said, I've either got to say something or I have to get out did of you here. Get, did, you get, so, uh, did you get opinion Tourette's like I have where you, you have to burst out and say something because you can't take one more minute like I did at the county convention? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So uh, what the long story short is, is that uh, he was educating a group of visitors and I sort of interjected and started educating them on the truth. And uh, so it was, it, we had a, a couple of, uh, or a few visitors there that were very excited about the new, uh, about the information that I was giving them. And, and the crazy thing was, Kate, mm-hmm. this tour guide was talking about the Declaration of Independence, 
and was saying things about the Declaration of Independence that were directly refuted by the text above the Declaration of Independence on display. He, he, he actually came out and said that the Declaration in Washington, D.C. Uh, is meaningless. It, it, it had no meaning that the copy that they had there in, in Philly was the original copy and the actual Declaration of Independence, when the copy that they have in Philly is not the actual Declaration of Independence. It is what they call a broadside, which is like a press release. And so what it was was a typeset mm-hmm. press release of the content of the Declaration of Independence that was spread throughout the, colon- the, the 13 states so that the heralds could read them to the people and they would put in pamphlet forms and hand it out. So it was not the original Declaration of Independence, and it even um, contains some uh, typesetted errors that are not in the original Declaration of Independence. Uh, I I would feel like you though. I I would just want to I would just want to stand up and as loudly as I could just say, "Are you crazy? This is not what you're talking about." This. <laughs> well, I didn't say you're crazy, but I just stand up loud and 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 boldly and just started teaching. You know, I mean, that's what I did. I said I just simply interjected and I said, "Well, you know, as a matter of fact, the Declaration of Independence." Uh, was an exercise of Clause 61 of the Magna Carta, the enumerated right of the people to petition the government for a redress of their grievances. It's actually the fifth liberty or the sixth liberty charter in a line of five British liberty charters. And so then we started off with the history, and we grew, we grew a little crowd of visitors who were interested in hearing the truth. And the the tour guide was was. You know, I, I was careful to not to sort of debate him, but to teach the crowd. And mm-hmm. I could catch him out of my peripheral vision with steam coming out of his ears. He was not happy. <laughs> sure. At one point in time, he said, he said, uh, he, he interjected, oh, this is the, the uh, original uh, doc- declaration. The one in D.C. is not, uh, is not important because this is the important one. And I and I was teaching him, I said, look, right above the document, it says this is a broadside. It is a copy of the declaration as a broadside as a news release. And that's what it said exactly in the text. He says, I know what I'm talking about. I work here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> I'm so like, glad you okay, were there. So your little green uniform gives you the knowledge that, you know, to, to, to teach uh, wow. you know, uh, inaccuracies. So we, I, I probably sat, uh, stood there and we talked with the visitors for a good 20 minutes, got a good, good, really good history lesson told. I'll bet. And you know what's aggravating, Kate, is that it is simply, does, it doesn't take any more time or any more effort to speak the truth. Right. So I know, what is their excuse? Exactly. Exactly. I, I love that this week, too, you are making a point of educating people on the convention of the states. Um, this is a, a dangerous a dangerous idea. And there seem to be a lot of people lobbying around this idea. And this is a week that you're educating, just like you always are, just like you're doing with the, the people in the government that work there at the tours. And I'm so glad you opened your mouth and I'm so glad you educated that audience. Believe me, I'm so happy you did that. But this is, an, a, this is um, a topic that, you know, there's, there's uh, 
I have such a, a tough time with this. I had Don Fotheringham on who talked about the fact in the 80s he went to 22 states to talk them out of this and that the, the Constitution was sort of hanging by a thread by those that want to get their grubby, greedy little hands on it to change it. And I even have recordings from a mock one that they did here in Utah. And a lot of our local legislators here were also clamoring to get up there. And they were even taking apart the, the, the preamble. They were even taking apart, uh, should we say, God or being of light? I mean, it was almost just so ludicrous. And I thought, what a circus. And they did it as a mock articles, uh, Article 5 Convention of the States to prepare for an eventual one that they're trying to get done. What is your take on, the, on, on Article 5 Convention of the States? What is your take on this? Well, you know, Kate, uh, as I'm doing this, I'm doing the radio series, so it's an uh, every single day this week we are, we are exposing some things and we're talking about some very important aspects that nobody else seems to want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And what we're, what we're doing in these massive conversations around the U.S. about Article 5 Convention is we're not asking the right questions. And so I'm always very, very quick to say, you know, it's irrelevant what I think think about an Article 5 convention. It absolutely is. I'm not an authority on this, uh, but there are authorities out there. And what I do, what I'm doing in this series is bringing forward not my opinions on a convention, but the the opinions of the framers and more uh, equally important today, the opinions of Congress themselves. Most people don't realize because they think that that an Article 5 convention is, you know, something that we've just recently unearthed, like the Dead Street Sea Scrolls, <laughs> right. right? We just figured out we can do this. But in reality, um, Congress has been investigating the possibility of, a, of an Article 5 convention since before the 1950s. And in that, they've been having congressional hearings. They've had experts, you know, their, quote, experts come in and educate the Senate and the House on a convention and what would be Congress's role and uh, what would a convention look like and, and all these other things. And so what we're doing this week is we're taking – uh, what I think is the most important aspects of considering an Article 5 convention and, and, ter- and asking the right questions. For example, our framers de- uh, talked about this, debated the mechanism of amending the Constitution quite a bit. And James Madison himself had reservations about a convention in the future. And it is from James Madison's own text that I get, I think, the most important question that must be asked. Who will be the delegates and what will be their motivation? Hmm. You see, Madison said when they were debating on ratifying the, the Article 5 text that uh, he said, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, that the only reason we've been able to get through this convention is because we just came from a bloody revolution that has kept the delegates focused on liberty and has allowed us to set aside our own personal ambitions, our political greeds, and our special interests. He says, and it's not only that, it's the horrors that we saw, that the people have have a great deal of confidence within us as delegates to stay, remain focused on liberty. And Madison says, I fear in the future, without this motivation, that the delegates that will be chosen 
will not have the proper perspective. They will not be liberty-focused. They will be private interest-focused. Yes. They will be special interest-focused. And he said, we may even see the people, uh, the delegates being chosen from the people who created the mistakes, asking those people to actually fix the mistakes. Yes. And so (laughs) Madison's concern was that it would basically turn into a political party uh, power struggle where special interest would gain and the people's liberty would lose. Yes, because our country's in a mess and we're going to go to those same people and say... Hey, sounds great. Let's destroy it further because we trust you so much with this document. I, it, it almost just makes me crazy when people say, yeah, but it'll be controlled and limited and this will be good for us because we're off the rails and this is a fail safe. I'm sure you've heard this a million yeah, well, times. It's, it's, it's not really a fail safe. The purpose of Article 5 was not to control the federal government. The purpose of Article 5, as, as Thomas Jefferson mo- most eloquently puts it, is to uh, advance the Constitution and liberty. He believed, and our framers believed, that as society became more civilized, we would actually need less government, mm-hmm. and the people would be able to handle more liberty. So they gave us a mechanism to amend the Constitution, to uh, limit the government even more, and to secure more liberty for the people. But here's the problem. See, Article 5 is in the Constitution. It is a means by which we amend the Constitution. So I cannot be against Mm-hmm. an Article 5 convention. But the problem that I have with the convention today, Kate, is that we are rushing headlong into something we are not fully informed about and we're not asking the right questions. So before I can personally uh, support a convention today, we need to get the answers to Madison's questions. Question number one, who are the delegates and what will be their motivation? Question number two, How do we select the delegates? Are they going to be chosen by the state legislators or by popular vote of the people? That was Ed Ashurst, uh, Alligators in the Moat, and then followed by Chris Ann Hall, when Chris Ann Hall started doing the show uh, back in 2016. So grateful for her words, too. Constitutional expert and attorney, libertyfirstsociety.com. And, of course, get the book Alligators in the Moat by Ed Ashurst. It explains so much of what's going on right now on the border still in 2022. Be faithful, be fearless. Go get the collector's coin, please. Really appreciate that. KateDallyShow.com. Order that right now if you would. Thank you. And on behalf of Truth and Radio and Free Speech, thank you.